Well, good afternoon, everyone. It is June 28th. It is 1 o'clock p.m., and this is Advancement Live. I have to tell you that my guests today are Chatty Cathy's, Amber and Jenny. We've been just talking it up about send-offs for the whole 10 minutes that we've been waiting to make sure that we had no technical issues before uh, starting this this episode today. It is all about summer send-offs, and tis the season for summer send-offs. It's just it's so cool when you see alumni engagement and student affairs and development and admissions. Everybody comes together to put on these events. And really, and, and as you'll hear from Amber and Jenny, who I'll introduce in just a minute, these events can look so different, but the goals can be very similar. And we'll talk about how, the, how they look, how they're advertised, how they're promoted, successes, fails, all that good stuff over the course of the next 45 minutes or so. So you are, of course, watching Advancement Live. It is part of the Higher Ed Live Network. And really, our goal is to offer our viewers direct access to the best and brightest minds in higher education. Our live broadcasts allow our viewers to share knowledge and to participate. And that's really important, using the hashtag Higher Ed Live, really participating in these discussions about our issues and what we're facing and what we do here in higher education. Today's live viewing experience is powered by iModule. I'm sorry, it's powered by Maestro, the premier marketing tech platform for broadcasters. And all episodes of Advancement Live are free. They're accessible in the video archives at higheredlive.com. They're also in podcast format on iTunes. Today's episode is made possible by iModules, and DePaul University was able to boost their young alumni participation and beat expectations by 52% using tools from iModules. We will tweet a link to the video case study, so be sure to check that out. And of course, Higher Ed Live is produced by M. Stoner, a marketing and communications firm that works with education institutions on branding, strategy, web design, and so much more. So without further ado, I will introduce you to our guest for this afternoon. We have Amber Bugs from UCLA and Jenny Peterson from NYU, and they've actually connected in the past before about the send-off topic, learning from each other. Uh, totally didn't plan that, but you girls go way back to last summer or whatever you connected. Uh, so Amber is Assistant Director of Bruin Recruitment at UCLA. She really focuses on integrating UCLA alumni into the recruitment process, bringing in the new students, and that, of course, includes the new student send-offs. And then Jenny is Assistant Director for Regional Alumni Outreach and Programs at NYU. She's from Spokane, Washington, out there on the West Coast. And she went to the University of San Francisco. So she is also, right now, Jenny, and we'll get right started, you are in the throngs of send-off season. You've already had your first events. How have they gone? We are in the throngs. So we have done um, 14 send-offs so far. We have 26 left left to do this summer. Wow. And that used to be in the United States. I have colleagues that also manage the global aspect of our program, and they'll be doing 15 send-offs abroad. Uh, so they've been good. It's great to meet, you know, the newest class of incoming students and their families. And um, it's one of our favorite programs that we do. It's really important to us in our office, uh, mm -hmm. and we look forward to it every year. Awesome. And Amber, you haven't started just yet, right? Nope. Our first one is in Tokyo on July 9th. So I guess that leads me to the first question. You're mentioning send-offs that are happening in places that are certainly not the United States um, and far off and the cultural part of these send-offs. So maybe, Amber, I'll have you jump into that. Um, how do send-offs look different when they're in the U.S. versus when you are holding them overseas? 
Well, our model tends to be a little bit more casual and celebratory in nature, so we don't have a, an official like program for each and every send-off. So our domestic ones tend to be a lot more casual. They can range from a backyard barbecue to um, something in um, a park or any of those types of events. However, we've seen with the international locations, all of our networks know their, their regions the best, and so we kind of defer to them on what they think is most appropriate for their area. And so we've seen in the international locations that they tend to be much more formal. So they might have a panel where they have a current student, a recent graduate, and a more established alumnus speak to what the students can kind of anticipate, not just at UCLA, but also living in the United States, taking advantage of um, you know, the different industries that we have, particularly in Los Angeles, and some of the cultural differences and holidays that they may not be familiar with here, so that they can kind of know what to do in anticipation of that transition. Tony, is that similar for you on the events that you hold internationally? Yours are more formal in general, correct? Yeah, so we go a little bit more of a, a structured, um, content-driven. We tend to get a lot of feedback from our families that they want concrete information about the transition to New York, whether that be moving into a residence hall, what types of career services are available on campus, what does it mean to study abroad. Um, mm -hmm. We have two portal campuses, one in Abu Dhabi, one in Shanghai, and then we have 11 study away sites. So uh, our families come with a lot of questions, I think partially because NYU is such a big and diverse place. Right. So we have a very structured approach. The first 30 minutes of each send-off is mingling, networking, um, then we bring a member of a student affairs team to each and every send-off that we do, and that person presents on sort of what to expect, um, everything from what to pack and bring to New York to uh, what are the opportunities available at Welcome Week, when is Parent and Family Weekend. Mm -hmm. So we present to the full group, and then there's actually a portion of the event where we split students and families. Um, and myself or one of my alumni relations colleagues will lead the students through some networking. Uh, and while we do that, the parents have an opportunity to do kind of a deeper dive with the student affairs staff member and ask some of the harder questions about, you know, safety on campus, um, financial aid, what types of resources are available for students with different types of disabilities, and that sort of thing. And then we bring them all in um, for that celebratory, you know, enjoy the rest of your summer. We'll see you on campus in the fall. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I, Go ahead. I mentioned that um, a lot of what we do to kind of educate them on the different, like the safety and what to get involved in, and Parent Weekend, which is now um, I think we're calling it Family Weekend, Bruin Family Weekend. Um, but we send them a host packet, and so that will include literature from various different departments on campus, along with our Parent and Family Programs Office and our Membership Office, and we kind of track the RSVPs to make sure that we know exactly how many students, alumni, and parents are going to be there, and then we really tailor the package that they get to include information that's going to be pertinent to those different people. We also work on, with campus partners, um, a volunteer resource like form that really goes over like some talking points and most frequently asked questions and, um, you know, again, campus safety and myths and legends and all that kind of stuff. So we try to prepare our volunteers as much as possible to be advocates of the university and to be confident in their knowledge about what's going on at UCLA today. Amber, are yours open to all alumni or it's a select group of alumni who are invited to them? All alumni. Wow. How do you see the, the breakdown being? Because we feel like 
we have to cap, mainly it's a space issue, we cap our events because we can't even fit the students and their parents. So do you see a big alumni interest in these? We do. We're working very closely with colleagues to see um, if we can get more current or not current, young alumni, um, because sometimes we have different areas where we just don't have the information for them to contact them sometimes, but we we really do advocate for as many alumni as possible and letting them know that their mission there is to talk about their experience and also to answer any questions from the perspective that really only alumni can truly have. Right. We encourage the different networks to host in locations that are not going to have a capacity issue. So I work with admission to kind of get a sense of who has SIR'd from different regions right. and then I can kind of give that information so that they know number space like this is the maximum that you could potentially have and so maybe you might want to do it in a park or something. Like San Francisco, for instance, has consistently over 300 guests that come to theirs, but they do it, yes, but they do wow. it. Awesome. We help them manage their uh, potluck sign-up sheets so that they don't have to, because, I mean, who's going to feed 300 people? So, um, you know, we organize that, and we kind of split it up by their name alphabetically, and so everyone comes, and they rent out a big, giant portion of the park, and so that's kind of how they navigate that is doing it in open spaces that are not going to be um, restricted as much as possible. What you touched on leads me to another point that, that differentiates how NYU does it, and, and, and our model is similar to NYU where we offer support, funding for our clubs to host these. UCLA, they're really, you get parent hosts and you potluck dinner it up and, and that's how you, you go about this, right? There's no funding from, from your office no, to these? Which we do fund. Oh, did I switch it around? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't fund this our... This is what happens when you guys have a whole show before we even start the show, and I'm listening and, and texting with my mom who's in Canada, and then, oh, man, I'm sorry. Switch no, it around. Forget what I just said. All right, so Amber, tell us how you, what your... Not Jenny, tell us what your approach is um, to these send-offs. Yeah, so we um, at NYU don't fund the send-off program uh, per se. Every summer we come together to develop a calendar and then we work with our fundraisers to engage members of our Parents Council, which is our philanthropic giving society uh, for parents. And so as much as possible, we like to have parents and or members of our alumni clubs host the send-offs. Mm -hmm. Generally, they'll do it either at their home or an office or a private club. And the ask that we make to them uh, is both the venue and the food. So we say to them, it's a two-hour event. We do them at off hours. So we do them generally from 10 to noon or 2 to 4 um, so that guests don't come expecting a meal, per se. Mm -hmm. uh, and our parents love to do it. I think they really enjoy opening their homes to incoming students, sharing their experience as current parents and kind of the nerves that they had. Um, and similar to our alumni club leaders, I mean, it sounds like, um, in some ways a similar model to what Amber has in the sense that our alumni club leaders very much serve as hosts. Right. Uh, we just rely on them for a little bit of the food as well. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, I apologize again for, for mixing you guys up, but that, uh, I mean, there really are arguments for both ways. When it comes to measuring ROI, I mean, for NYU, your investment is really, it's your staff time and not much more than that, right? Yeah, so we do invest in the program in terms of um, getting each event staffed. So we right. try to be really thoughtful and we schedule them in what we call trip blocks. 
So for instance, in late July, I'll do uh, Houston, Austin, and Dallas all in Texas in a matter of about four days. So we try and get in and get out um, to sort of minimize the cost. And we do provide little giveaways for the students. Um, you know, we come in purple polos so that they know who we are. We bring name tags. So there is an investment on our end, but we try and keep it minimal. Um, and, uh, you know, luckily we have alumni and parents who help us to do that. Mm -hmm. We've had a great debate about what a good giveaway is for these send-offs <laughs> because they are so well attended and like this is our opportunity to engage our students. I mean, this is the first exposure they really have to our alumni, to our clubs, to the Alumni Association. So what have you ladies, Amber, I'll have you go first. Do you do a giveaway and if so, what have you found success with? Well, that's why we're so heavy on tailoring the publications that we send because we're like, we have all these people in one spot really need to maximize the, the programmatic aspect of what they can get involved in in their communities, but then also once they transition to campus. So in terms of that, we're really heavy on, on the paper. But in terms of fun stuff, we have like UCLA lip balm that we do that people seem to like a lot. We do temporary tattoos of like Retro Joe and um, the UCLA um, logo so that they can do wear that probably at game watching. And um, we also have like Proud Bruin buttons that we send and I'm thinking on other stuff. We, we do prizes too because um, some of them will have games that they play and so we'll do like an insulated tote bag that's a little bit nicer that says like Proud Bruin on it and people seem to like that a lot. But it's, it's not a crazy amount of giveaways and I heart really stickers too. Yes, yes. Yeah, and the networks choose to do like what they want to do with it. So some of them will have it at check-in. Other ones will assemble goodie bags, so it feels a little bit more like a personal touch when the student comes and picks it up. And some of them will do shirts, but that's really network-driven more so than from our office. And Jenny, how about you? What is NYU do? Uh, very similar. The giveaway that we have found has worked best in recent years has been a little adhesive foam wallet. Uh, so what is that? An adhesive phone wallet, I wish I had one on my phone to show you, but essentially the square that goes on the back of your phone that you can stick like a subway pass in, uh, they cost almost nothing. We have them branded for NYU and for us, most importantly, they're easy to travel with. So when we're doing three cities in four days, we need something that's pretty small. Uh, so that's what we give the students. We also ship in advance very similar to UCLA Proud Parent button for the parents to wear at the send-offs. Mm -hmm. uh, we have some social media stickers and things so that you know the students can follow us on Snapchat and we give those away. And then we do send the hosts in advance of the event. Um, if it's at like a home or a, a, an office, we'll send them a yard sign that says NYU and some balloons that say send-offs so that they can go get those filled up in advance and hopefully it makes it a little easier for everybody to find the place. Nice. That's all. We do laundry bags in the hopes that these new students will do their laundry when they go I to campus. Good idea. Yeah, we do a little, they're branded with Otto, our mascot, who everyone loves. So obviously they're a little larger, but we send them out ahead of time. And that is something we started new in the last couple of years. And moms especially, I have no idea why, are so all about those laundry bags uh, for their students. So. That's just one idea that I share. And I want to have others who are watching today's episode um, share what are you doing for your send-offs or what questions do you have for Jenny or for Amber. Uh, if you just use the hashtag higher ed live, I'm checking that and I can 
add to my list of questions, which I do have a gajillion more and only 30 minutes to get them in. So I will continue on, but uh, <laughs> Higher Ed Live is really the best hashtag to use uh, as we go through our episode. So let's talk about, um, obviously, Jenny, you're already starting to see people turn out for your events. How do you market these? And Jenny, I'll start with you. How do you contact these new students to tell them, and their families, to tell them about these events? Sure. So we work really closely with our colleagues in admissions. Uh, that's enough programs, I think, like at a lot of universities, are a partnership between admissions, student affairs, and alumni relations and development. So in May, I work with um, a colleague in the admissions office to get a list of all of our students who have deposited. So the students that we know will be coming in the fall. And that list includes student email addresses, parent email addresses uh, for both parents, if there are two parents. Um, so what we do first is we send a postcard to everybody who has deposited as part of a packet called Next Stop NYU. That's kind of your welcome to the family. Here are all the important dates. They get a postcard that drives them to the website. And that's the only print we do. Uh, we then use the list from admissions to follow up with targeted emails for everyone. Awesome. Is that similar for you, Amber? Um, yes. We do we do advertisement in a few other ways. We do have the postcards, and so because we have um, a larger amount of students than we can kind of send those postcards for, we um, kind of tailor the list to target students who are coming from an area that's going to have a send-off kind of close to them, but who are coming from communities that don't have a large amount of people coming from those areas. Because the thought is they might need community a little bit more than someone that knows, like, you know, 20 people from their high school that are coming to UCLA also. Right. So we look that way. But then we also have um, Bruin-bound programs that happen prior to the students submitting their statement of intent to register. And those happen in the couple weeks in between the admission decisions going out and the actual SIRD, or no, up to Bruin Day. Yeah. And so for those ones, we have physical postcards that we have at the table while we're talking to them about what Alumni Affairs offers to them from the get-go, and that's one of our talking points. And our colleagues in admission also, in their continued communications with different people in person, they take our postcards with them, along with some of our um, parent-giving colleagues also. So that's some ways that the physical um, invitation goes out. But then, as Jen was saying, we do also do targeted emails toward the parents, alumni, and the students to kind of drive them all to the destination page to register in that way. Awesome. We also do media, too. I was going to say, how about the social media push for both for both of you? Are you, you know, we've got an Office of First Year and Transfer Programs. We've got admissions. We have a Class of 2020 Facebook page. What have you found? Snapchat? Perhaps. Uh, <laughs> what have you found works best? Amber, I'll have you start on the social media side. I think Amber froze, so hopefully. Anyway, we'll have Jenny um, answer them while we wait for, for Amber to unfreeze and come back to us. Uh, social media strategy for promoting these, what have you found works? Yeah, so we, um, this year for the first time, and I cannot take credit, it was not my brainchild, but we created a video of sort of what to expect at a send off. Uh, it's about a minute. We had never done something like that in the past, and my colleague John Pine thought, you know, it's hard to get them to read through all of the information and all of the emails because they're so inundated, yeah. uh, you know, as new families. And so we created this video that really talks about the program start to finish. So you're going to show up. This is what's going to happen. These are the resources that will be available. These are the people that you will meet, both in terms of your peers and your staff. 
Um, and we've been pushing that video pretty strong on social, uh, just so that more students will sign up, but also that the students that sign up have a better idea of what to expect. I think we all are so used to using the term send off that we assume our incoming students and their families know what we mean when we say it. And for a lot of our students, we found that they were showing up, you know, kind of blind. They didn't know what the program would be if there was a program. So we've tried to be a lot more explicit. And I think social media has helped us in getting that video out in a way that we probably couldn't have otherwise. Um, similar to you, we have a class of 2020 Facebook page, all that right. kind of stuff. Yeah, I just tweeted the link for all of you watching. So on the hashtag Higher Ed Live, um, just check that out. And I just, it's up on Vimeo. It's really well done. And that's really, as I was um, doing research for this episode and figuring out guests, I stumbled across that. And really, you know, how cool is it to be able to have a video like that? And you're right that our marketing of these programs, when you think back to doing send-offs 10 years ago, when you couldn't just easily Google and find every piece of information that you needed, how do we market these in a way that makes them feel valuable for the students who are attending and their families, right? Yeah, maybe we want like to be young and fun. Um, John worked with a great team on it. I, we're really proud of it. I, we've gotten some great feedback. And I think, um, you know, it, it, it's not the kind of thing that is a huge investment to do, but for us, has had great returns when we think about ROI for this program. That's awesome. I know you talked to Amber while we wait for her to come back up and join us. Um, I know you talked to her about the manual that UCLA had created, which is so impressive. And you modeled yours um, similarly to that. Is that right? Like, what did you put in your, what was important to share with your volunteer hosts? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, we did a lot of best practice research before creating a toolkit our hosts and volunteers and UCLA has a great volunteer manual that was an excellent resource for us. Um, we have two manuals at NYU that we use now, one for our parent hosts and then we actually have a staff guidebook as well uh, because we do staff every event with an alumni relations colleague, a student affairs colleague and then sometimes a fundraiser will come and join us on the road. So we created a staff guidebook as well and both of them have very similar content. So a snapshot of the incoming class, so they have a sense of who these students are and where they're coming from, um, what was the acceptance rate, how competitive was it, um, and then a lot of FAQs, as Amber said, about the program. Hey, welcome, Hi, Amber. <laughs> Amber's back. <laughs> um, yeah, and just resources to make them confident ambassadors. And um, Amber, we were talking about your wonderful toolkit. Oh, okay. I'm yeah, like while we were waiting for you, you all of a sudden, I was like waiting for your answer, and then your lips didn't move, and it was like, oh, dear, Amber is frozen. So we were on to our volunteer manual, and then we'll probably jump back to hear about your experience with social media, because uh, that's when we lost you, Amber. Um, but Jenny, that I mean, how has that been received by your volunteers and your parents? It's huge. I think for us, um, it's important to have staff on the same page, certainly. But for parents, if they're a first-time host, they have a lot of questions, things from what type of food should I get? You know, how can I brand it? We oftentimes have parents who will order cupcakes with the NYU logo or um, cookies with the send-off logo. I mean, they really go all out. And so as much as possible, we try and be in touch in the months leading up. We actually have three touch points for our parent hosts in the months leading up, just to let them know we're here. Uh, even though we're in New York and you might be in Austin, Texas, we're gonna take care of all the logistics. There's nothing to worry about as long as 
you know, you've got a little bit of food for the kids, um, and a home that you don't mind opening, it's going to be a positive experience. And a lot of that is just stewarding them as both parents and donors. We want it to be a positive experience for them. That's awesome. Amber, how did you come up with Is that something that you, you physically created, or was that here and then you inherited it at UCLA? Well, a couple years ago, they didn't have a, we didn't have a manual, and so we were kind of providing information piecemeal, and so um, kind of taking into account that we like might change something at some point because sometimes when you put it in a manual, they're like, "This is the way it is always." Um, you know, with keeping that in mind, we got feedback from our colleagues within alumni affairs, and then also from the actual host, and kind of got a sense of like what are some of the, the issues that they were having before, what is some information that they weren't quite clear about, and so we assembled the manual. This year, and, and that's the one I believe I shared with Jennifer um, a couple years ago. And so I tweeted it on the Higher Ed Live hashtag so everyone can, or, or I tweeted the one that I think is more recent than perhaps. Yes, you have the current one. So the first year, I tend to be a little bit wordy, so it was kind of bulky and just wanted to give them as much information as possible. Um, if I kind of thought they might have a question about it, put it in there. This year, worked with some of my colleagues to kind of streamline it a little bit more. So particularly my colleagues who work with the networks very closely, both in regional and with diversity, and um, you know, with our leadership here, to make sure that we had a sense of what the, what was actually helpful in the manual, what were some of the, the documents that they could navigate to learn more, and what were some of the things that we really wanted to drive home. So that's kind of how the manual came about. Many eyes on that one to make sure that it has everything that people can need but not feel overwhelming, particularly for first-time hosts. We also, um, starting last year, started doing conference calls also to kind of additionally give people a chance to both hear from us and know that they're supported by us, but then also to kind of hear from each other because while we do go to the send-offs um, occasionally and while we also know exactly what goes into it from this perspective. We don't know what it's like from their perspective, the way they will, and so it's very helpful to be able to have a space for them to speak to other hosts and get their words of wisdom, too. Awesome. I love it. And so for anyone who's, I always say, um, it's so fun to steal everything from each other. We're, we're not competitors, right? We all have different audiences. So <laughs> for anyone who's interested in uh, in such a manual, I have tweeted it uh, on the Higher Ed Live hashtag. And speaking of that, we have our first question from Kenny, who wonders, and this is really a question for both of you, um, after you've done the emails to the constituents and after you've done some of the social media posts, do you also do phone calls to their homes to encourage them to attend? Is that part of your strategy or no? For us, it's, it's a case-by-case -case situation. Um, because we have close to 60 events, we, we don't call all of the students also because we don't want them to be inundated since they're getting a number of communications from our campus colleagues also about housing or financial and all of that. So um, with certain locations, we will do calls if the RSVPs look like they're very low. Um, and then we'll kind of reach out to them. We have found, for whatever it's worth, um, that calling the student isn't as helpful as calling the parent. Um, when you call the parent, they tend to come. When you call the student, they're like, well, maybe. <laughs> what is this? I don't talk on a phone. What's a phone, right? If you, if you texted them or sent a snap, it might go better, right? I'm going to need you to snap me. But <laughs> in general, that's what we found. Um, because of FERPA, we can't just give the information to alumni to call. So that becomes a challenge also in terms of like staff resources. 
that kind of goes into our thinking of do we make phone calls for this one, do we make phone calls for that one also. That has to be taken into account. Jenny, is it similar at NYU? Yeah, well, you know, we actually don't make calls. We um, In recent years, as the program has grown, last year we did 34 send-offs. This year we'll do 40 here in the United States. Um, we've had to include a lot of verbiage in our emails about RSVPing early because they do sell out. Yeah. Uh, so, for example, in Los Angeles, uh, where we get a lot of our students, uh, we do four send-offs. So we do four in Los Angeles, we do one in Orange County, and one in San Diego. Um, so for us, most of the time, we're trying to get students to RSVP early so they have a chance to come. Uh, in smaller cities, you know, like Detroit, we're not going to have 100 people. Um, but we haven't yet got to the point of making phone calls. Well, that's great. You can do it without. And, and I think we're in that boat, too, this year, where those emails and really pitching them. And Amber, this was um, when you hopped off the call for a sec, really pitching them more as a getting to know your family, getting to know the experience, like not so much of a here are all the facts you need to know about life at UCLA or NYU because they can Google that, but really focusing on that in-person experience and how that really will then translate to such a closer bond, I think, with the university as their years progress. Um, and that leads me to the follow-up after these events. So after a student, after his or her family have attended, um, right now we don't do anything on our part, and I'd really like to change that because I think that's an opportunity. Obviously, you're going to thank your volunteers and thank your parent hosts, but what about the attendees? Do either of you, um, Jenny, I'll have you start, do either of you do uh, any follow-up with your attendees? Sure, yeah, so we... Um at NYU send a post-event survey after every event that comes out of the alumni relations office. We have it queued up to send literally as they're walking out the door. Wow. Uh, it says thank you for coming uh, and part of that is because we're very metrics driven and we use something called the NPS score, the Net Promoter Score, yeah. Yeah. to determine whether it was an enriching experience. So we send a survey specifically for send-offs. We tell them as we're sending them out the door um, Within the email that includes the survey, there is an opt-in attendance list. So as folks have registered for send-offs, they've had a chance to opt in to a directory. Mm -hmm. So as they're leaving, we tell them, you'll receive a list of everybody who opted in and was here today. We encourage you to maintain those connections throughout the summer. Reach out to those families if you have questions. Uh, and then I always tell them, if you reply to the survey, all those emails come to me. So if you need anything, let us know. Um, that's kind of day of. At the end of the summer, we send a thank you email that has an album of all of the photos from all 40 events. Wow. Letting them know that we had a fun time on the road. And then on move-in day, we actually, the alumni relations team, um, has a spot on campus where they can come and pick up NYU family t-shirts if they purchased them as part of their send-off registration. So we tell them to, you know, stop by, say hi to us, let us know how the rest of us. I'm just going to write down everything you're saying. If I'm <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> taking notes here. It's, um, it's a lot more emails that you would have to build, but um, I do think yeah. it's helpful. Um, and I know that they, you know, they appreciate. We get that question all the time as people are leaving, you know, how can I get a list of the people that were here today? Right. Um, so I think that in particular has been really helpful. And that list includes first name, last name, email address, all contact info, or? First, last, email address, um, school and college, so if they're going to the Tisch School of the Arts or the Stern School of Business, and then um, also what NYU site they'll be beginning at. So if they're going to start here in New York or, you know, abroad in Florence, 
Um, but they do have to opt in. So if there are folks that you know don't want that contact information shared, we try and be respectful of that. Mm -hmm. That's great. Amber, how does your um, follow-up look? We work with um, our colleagues here to get a sense of what are upcoming events that they'd like us to advertise for their network. And so we really try to drive them to the networks like social media and also if they have a listserv too. We let our hosts know that if they want to collect the um, the information of the guests that come, then they're welcome to. Um, if they opt into it, that's fine. And so a lot of them will do that and make sure that they invite them to their upcoming events. In our thank you, we we highlight it, well we highlight the network information and how they can stay involved with them, but then we also highlight like we have a back to school snack activity that happens during the first week when they're on campus and so encouraging them to come to that to learn more about what we do here. Tell me about the back to school snack activity. <laughs> the, the snack is... <laughs> <laughs> so we just give them some water and we have um, free Diddy Rees cookies, which Diddy Rees is like the yeah. official, unofficial cookie of UCLA. So we have those free for them to take also. And so we'll have, um, you know, different people tabling down there. We'll have homecoming. We'll have our Student Alumni Association. We'll have our partnership UCLA so they can learn about mentorship and careers and all of that. Uh, and a number of other colleagues will be there also. And we'll get Joe and Josie to be here typically too so they can snap a photo. Um, so our thank you will include that also um, along with membership information for any of the alumni that went to the event and then information also about the family weekend that's coming up normally around homecoming time and how they can get involved with uh, parents council and all of those different things. And then we have a Facebook album on our Bruin Recruitment has a dedicated Facebook channel, Instagram, and Twitter. And oh, so great. throughout the summer we update the album so that they continually can see their send-off featured on that album. And you do that through Facebook. Jenny, how do you, is it through Flickr that NYU does? Yep, we put ours on Flickr, um, and then we'll share it to the Class of 2020 Facebook page. Awesome, and I know you have a hashtag around your events. I feel like Twitter is dying with our students, <laughs> which is so sad because I love it. Mm -hmm. um, do you find that there's much interaction or use of the hashtag on Twitter or Instagram, or is it really kind of moving towards Snapchat? It is absolutely love that. Snapchat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for, for the alums, I think Amber's totally right. Um, it, Twitter is probably more relevant. For the students, they're snapping throughout the event. So mm -hmm. when they come, we have Snapchat stickers for the NYU Snapchat account that we give them, encourage them to follow us. Um, but it really, occasionally an Instagram, very rarely a tweet, um, but more so Snapchat. Yeah, that is. That's where it's at. I'm wondering if, I know Snapchat allows you to do the custom geo filters, if we could get our act together and have those filters available at all of the different we had events that we're doing. That. I think it's a great idea. Um, and we have had some students actually recently, this past weekend, my colleague Tim, uh, there were students at his send-offs in Connecticut who at the send-off created a private Facebook group um, just for the kids who were there. Uh, and I believe the Westchester kids did that as well. So we do see some traction on Facebook as well. Yeah, Facebook is making a surprising comeback. Yeah. It's like so not cool for so long because like moms and grandmas got on it. But then I find our students are really utilizing that. Well, a the class of 2020 Facebook page, and also the um, sharing events on Facebook is huge. I think. Well, I think it's still not officially cool, but I think that they, <laughs> I think they've decided that it's a necessity, though, because 
um, it's it's where people communicate about like business to them, you know. So. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> they they gosh, when I was back in the day when I was a freshman, Facebook was like so not business. It's just yeah. amazing how social media has changed. But that's a perfect. Thank you for teeing up uh, this question, which is an idea I had, and I, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on it. Um, what I'd like to do is do a virtual send-off of sorts using Facebook Live and having someone from the alumni office, someone from student affairs, maybe a current student uh, in our carrier dome, which is where our football and basketball teams play, um, doing a live send-off of sorts and kind of talking about the experience and having what I'm most excited about is alumni being able in the comment sections to, to weigh in um, on the experience. What are your thoughts on, on virtual send-offs? Because there's one camp who thinks that's going to totally detract from people attending in-person events, and then there's the other camp who's like, well, that's a great offering for you know people who live in Idaho, and maybe there's not a send-off in Idaho. So what do you think? And you can be critical. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll say I think it's a great idea. Um, you know, we did a send-off last year in Cleveland, and there were a couple of young gentlemen who drove two hours to get there. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think it's important for us to have in-person send-offs, and a lot of people yeah. will still make the trip. But we do get, and I would imagine this is true at UCLA as well, a number of emails every year from folks who live uh, particularly internationally in places where we're not hosting, um, but even places like Idaho, and they say, you know, I'd still like the FaceTime with a student affairs representative. And so I, I think there definitely is a place for it. I, I would love to see something like that. Mm -hmm. I, I think that it would depend on what, it, what the purpose was, because for some of these that are really meant to be um, community building, then I think that that is kind of lost in it being virtual because they only really have access to the people that have signed up to be, you know, on the the webinar. So there there is that. But then for the students who kind of just want to have that FaceTime, then um, it could work out. What we've done sometimes with people who are kind of in areas that are a little more isolated is try to identify if we have any alumni in that area and we've had where like they'll take the four students out for coffee oh, and um, you know they'll meet in that way and so we'll send like a tiny little goodie bag for them to kind of give out at those events. Um, we don't have a ton of those but that's kind of how we try to to make that connection. We've also had in the past where we will reach out to a student in the Student Alumni Association or the Alumni Scholars Club that lives kind of close by or is from that region. And so they'll have a one-on-one -on -one phone call with that student also. So I think that it totally could be done and it, and it works, but it, it's going to be a case-by-case -case basis for when the one-on-one -on -one in-person interaction is going to kind of get that out. Well, and it's neat, too, for them to be able to physically meet the person who they might, you know, be going, becoming roommates with, perhaps, or, you know, going out for their first life. I mean, I remember that first week of college, like, you just, I love everybody. Like, I want to make so many friends. And so when you um, have that opportunity at a send-off to start building those relationships, that is so cool. Well, we always tell them, like, you're going to get homesick. It's inevitable. So come to the send-off, meet other people who know exactly what you're talking about when you're like, I really miss that restaurant, or I really miss whatever, because they're from your community. And, you know, they could be your travel buddy. That's awesome. I want to give folks one more chance to ask some questions uh, on the hashtag. It is Higher Ed Live. We have a lot of viewers, but you peeps are quiet. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I just think we're just answering it all with what we've got uh, teed up. Do you girls think that I've missed anything? I mean, you are the the send-off gurus, the send-off experts in your offices. Anything you know for schools who are just starting a send-off series or really thinking that they need to revamp theirs? What would be your your best pieces of advice? You're good. Go. <laughs> I will say for us, you know, the the portion of the event where we split the students and the parents is always a really good time, and I think it does merit some thought. Um, we say to the parents, this is the first time you're going to have to say goodbye to your student. We'll take them away, but this time we'll give them back. Which um, <laughs> always gives like a it. good chuckle, but it allows the students a chance to really engage with each other without having mom or dad in the corner. Yeah. And similarly for the parents, uh, there are a lot of questions that occasionally they're uncomfortable asking with their student in the room. Uh, they don't want to embarrass their student, but maybe they really are concerned about safety in Washington Square Park at night or um, whether the student can get a discount on their subway pass or any number of things. And it, it's a brief period of time that we split them. It's about a half an hour. But we get a lot of feedback that that portion is some of the most enriching at the event. Um, we have to do it in a separate room because the students get so loud that the parents can't hear themselves ask questions. Um, but it really for us has been helpful. So for folks who are kind of thinking about how to do the program, if it is going to be more structured, I would really encourage that. I think it's been really helpful for us. And then I imagine you track, um, such as your donors who are hosting, that's probably all tracked in your alumni database, right? And obviously you do net promoter score, so you're big on metrics at NYU. You're big on metrics at NYU. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the send-offs really for our fundraisers are a huge opportunity, and I would imagine this is true at UCLA, to bring in new parent donors. So when we do the speaking program, uh, we make mention of the fact that our hosts are parents council members, and that if alumni or parents have questions about getting involved in a giving society, we're here to answer questions, to provide information. And I think having the parents stand up and say, you know, being part of the Parents Council has enriched my experience. Mm -hmm. Every year we find that we get new Parents Council families out of the send-off program, which for us, um, you know, on the fundraising side is a fantastic ROI. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Amber, what about you for the, for the newbies out there? Well, before I before I answer that, you um, Jennifer, you reminded me that we something we also do in the follow up is we take all of the the data about the stu the parents who came to the send offs and we give it to our colleagues in parent and family programs so that they can um, reach out to them to continue their involvement throughout their time um, for their student being here. So that is something. Um, but for new people, I would recommend that they kind of put the feelers out there and see what what is the need, what are the populations that are most um, like concentrated, I guess, because if they can focus in on those areas to kind of be their test areas, um, they'll probably have more attendance from those locations. And then really creating a manual so that they have something to approach people with, because a lot of times people are really interested, but they get so nervous. They're like, I'm going to host all these people. Like, I need it to be good. I don't know what I'm doing. And so sometimes it does seem like it's a lot of information, but giving them more information up front and letting them know that you're really there to support them, no question is a dumb question, that really kind of gives them the sense of, of mind, or peace of mind, I should say, that they need to kind of move forward. 
And then also something that I find myself consistently saying every year to somebody is that it's really about building community and giving the students the tools they need to transition and giving the parents the tools they need to let go. All of that kind of, or more or less let go. Yeah, yeah. It's just a change of relationship, not, not a letting go. But, um, and not focusing so much on it needs to be a grand event with like decadent food and all of that because that's really secondary to the content of the situation. Awesome. Well, that was a great episode. I, I you should see my little list here of the things I've tried to write and tweet and all that stuff. So um, you ladies know how it's done, and you obviously have very successful programs. Jenny at NYU, Amber at UCLA. Uh, I know I learned a lot from this episode. I hope that our viewers did as well. Um, even though you're quiet bunches, I uh, I know that you were tuned in and and hopefully learning. And I'm just I'm very grateful, Amber and Jenny, that you took your 45 minutes to share some of your knowledge with us. And I know you're both about to be road warriors and very busy as send-off season really kicks off. So thank you very much and enjoy the 4th of July holiday. I want to thank also our program sponsors, M. Stoner and iModules, for making this episode possible. And uh, thanks again, Jenny and Amber. I really appreciate it.